Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. We're back here on the Nosebleeds Podcast. That intro by Nick DeLuca. I said it last week, but it's so great to hear because it means baseball is back, guys. This will be the last Nosebleeds edition where we have not had regular season games that impact the record for a long time. So on that note, I'm thrilled to be here. Joined with Mike Legan, Brian Raybax. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. You know, Ryan, like you said, regular season baseball is back. Just, I would say, you know, a month ago, month and a half ago, rather, whenever we were in that lockout, it really was not an optimistic time. I was kind of getting resigned to the fact that, you know what, I'm going to have to go to a minor league game to get my baseball <laughs> fix. And you know what, we're here. We only missed what would, would have been a week of the season. Excited for Thursday. It's going to be a great time. And look, the Mets playing the Nationals, the Red Sox and Yankees going at it. So it's going to be fun, and uh, we're in store for some good baseball, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be here. It was lo- it was not looking good for a long time. You know, I didn't really, there was a definitely a point in time where it didn't look like we were going to be doing a nosebleed previewing the season on April 5th. So, you know, it's great. You know, opening day right around the corner, and both New York teams look really solid. And, you know, I'm excited to give my opinions on both teams, and I think we can look back on today and kind of see how everything turned out. So I'm just excited to get my get my stuff out before the season starts, and I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, all things considered, with, you know, six games that will be spread out throughout the year, it could have been a lot worse with the lockout. So I think we have to take what we have and run with it. And you brought up, Brian, obviously the Mets and Yankees. We'll start with the Mets because last week we did kind of an off-season recap. But in the seven days since then, it's fair to say the Mets season has a wildly different outlook. Jacob DeGrom, best pitcher in baseball, obviously. Stress fracture in the right scapula. I think I got that right. Yep, that's correct. Those are not words you ever want to hear. Stress, fracture, right, scapula. Jacob DeGrom, injured, shut down for four weeks, does not you know, sound whatsoever good at all. Mike, I obviously want to start with you. I was pumped up to see we were on the show together because you're a very passionate Mets fan. Yes. You're known to be a little doom and gloom, but I want to see (laughs) what your perspective is here on Jacob DeGrom being shut down the first four weeks of the season. Well, I will I will say something real quick. It actually is a stress. I, I was mistaken. Real, It is a stress reaction, not a stress fracture. So nothing's actually broken yet. It's more like a bone bruise, like a deep bone bruise on the shoulder blade. Um, look, yeah, it's not, not what you want to hear. But at the same time, he didn't tear muscle. There's no, like, you know out for the season at this point although it's the Mets and you never know it always that's how this is how it goes with the Mets and you just said I'm doing and gloom you know what look I can't help it's odd and I and Sam Davis and I got into it last <laughs> summer about you know my view on the Mets who ended up being right it was me but I, I, I digress you know what happens with the Mets and this happens every year and this is why I can't help but feel this way it's like something always happens and it always starts out benign and little and as is this case with the Gromadry, oh he'll he won't throw for four, four weeks and then he'll rehab he'll be back by june but you know what last year when he was out at the all-star break it was like he'll be back in a month well you know what he didn't pitch the rest of the year so and that, that it's not even just a grom it's other guys it happens every year there's always injury whether you want to talk about david wright hurting his hamstring which turned into spinal stenosis or you want to talk about Yoannis cespedes getting you know attacked by a boar <laughs> and the calcification of the heel 
you know, it's just the Mets always somehow end up with these injuries that seem minor first and then they they just spiral and run out of control. So I can't help but be concerned. That being said, it's a new era of Mets baseball. And, you know, I know last year was Steve Cohen's first year as owner, but this is the first year he's really kind of had a true implement. A lot of the Wilpon infrastructure is now gone. You know, we're unveiling the Seaver statue, uh, new amenities at City Field, obviously a new GM, new manager, a lot of new players. So, you know what, in this new era of Mets baseball, I want to be positive. So, you know what, with, as far as Jacob deGrom, I, I'm not going to go crazy yet. I, I, I think, you know that? what, it, as long as there's no tear, and to me, I'm just going to look at it as a bruise that needs to heal. I'll be confident he'll be back by June 1st at this time. And that being said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy Max Scherzer today, we found out, did a bullpen session. He seems to be on track with the hamstring for the second game of the season. Obviously, you'd prefer opening day for him, but look, as long as Max is still there, that's, you know, you sign Max to be that DeGrom insurance to an extent. Obviously, he's an amazing in his own right. But so am I upset about the DeGrom news? Yes. And we'll get into some other Mets injuries, I'm sure, in a second. But I'm trying to remain optimistic. And I'm not I'm not freaking out just yet. I'm not freaking out just now, yet. Listen, I, I'm not one to speculate on players' injuries. And, you know, obviously the injury we've seen DeGrom, you know, the injury last year turned into something, you know, totally different where he missed a lot of time. But as far as we know right now, he's shut down for a month. And then he's going to need about a month to, you know, build back up. And then he'll be back by mid-June, probably at the earliest. So he's not missing. He's missing a significant amount of time, but not anything past June as far as we know. But this is pretty This is pretty concerning from my point of view. I mean, DeGrom, obviously the best pitcher in the entire league by a wide margin. I mean, this is a tough blow. It's your ace. And DeGrom, we saw, we saw the Mets without DeGrom last year. They didn't. They didn't look very good after he got hurt. You know that you lose the first place in August, and then everything just goes downhill. Miss the playoffs. So everyone knows how valuable Degrom is to this team. But you know, I I I think the Mets can still stay afloat without him. I mean, Scherzer's there, and you know that was great news. You heard about him earlier today, where he seems to be okay. And then you got the Bassett, the Bassett edition. Oh, that looks really good now with you know Degrom going down, but. You know, I think this can definitely stunt the Mets a little bit in terms of, you know, serious contention or at least competing for that division because we know the Atlanta Braves, they're not going anywhere, you know, coming fresh off a World Series, and they're really the top dogs in that division. And I really saw the Mets as, like, really up there with the Braves, you know, a real threat to kind of take them down in that division, a division that the Braves have really owned for the past four or five years. But now with the DeGrom injury, I just think it's really going to be hard to be a great team. So I think the Mets can kind of get the float and then hope DeGrom comes back in June and it's nothing serious and he's not out for an expanded period of time. But this is definitely not the news you want right before opening day. I mean, I would say this about DeGrom. I think part of the reason why I'm not as upset about it is because I've also gotten used to it by this point. We already mentioned <laughs> last season, and I'm talking about DeGrom in particular, not the Mets, because obviously they have the Mets, and as I already mentioned, they have a long history of these injuries, type, you know, the injury issues with the training staff and, and everything. But last year with DeGrom, out at the All-Star break, even before DeGrom went out for the rest of the season, the first half when he was having this unbelievable Bob Gibson-type performance, um, you know, he was still, he had some some different injuries, swinging the bat, he got hurt, you know, some different things, he'd be shut down for a couple of weeks. And then 2020, again, even though it was a shortened season, still, he, he, he's been battling injuries essentially on and off, you know, ever since he won that second Cy Young in 2019. So I'm not surprised anymore. And to me, like I said, you, that's why you brought in Max Scherzer. So that way you, your season doesn't completely collapse when you lose the Grom. Scherzer, I get it, he's older now, he's probably playing on his last contract. That being said, 
the guy you know still finished in the top of Cy Young voting last year. It was great with the Dodgers. It was a big piece in their playoff push. Obviously, they came up short, but you can't deny what he did over there. And to me, as long as he's healthy, I don't think just treading water is is the standard that we have to accept and you know expect. This team needs to be competitive. This team needs to win ball games. I I don't want it to be just simply oh we're five hundred. Degrom coming back. Ooh, you know we can make a push now. You know Francisco Lindor, who obviously had a very rough first season in New York, both on and off the field, had a good spring. But one thing that caught my eye recently, he said in a post game or an interview or something. You know he said how many times uh, last year did DeGrom, or not even just last year over Degrom's entire career, honestly. Did he pitch and we scored no runs for him, one run for him? Yeah. You know, even if DeGrom was healthy, p- making every start every fifth day, who's to say the Mets even be winning those games? Because They haven't been. They, they haven't thing. been, and they haven't been scoring runs. So <laughs> baseball is a team sport more so than any other. It's not a sport where one guy can totally take over. So you know what? I, I To me, it's not even just about treading water. This lineup, and I get it, the Phillies, fantastic lineup. Castellano, Schwarber coming in there. Obviously, already Harper, Reese Hoskins. I get that. You know, the Nationals... Not going to be a world beater, but hey, look, they still got Juan Soto. They bring in Nelson Cruz. The Braves coming off a World Series. I get all that. I know they lost Freddie Freeman, but it's a tough division. That being said, I don't care. This Mets lineup, on paper, down year last year, they brought in some new guys. I'm expecting some competitive baseball. I think Buck Walter being there is going to be a big part of that. And to me, my expectations are still high, even though DeGrom's not there. Yeah, you don't need us to tell you what DeGrom's meant for the Mets or anything like that, but I think you look at the entire rotation— it's something I brought up last week, and I was concerned with the back end and Andrew Galata, who's the Mets fan on that episode. He kind of you know pushed back a little bit, but you now have to, I think, look at this rotation. You brought in bringing in Scherzer as an insurance policy. He has to be much more than that because this is the Max Scherzer move was a let's go over the top, have the best one-two in baseball, not even a discussion, but it can get thin, and you lose Jacob DeGrom, and suddenly you look at this rotation. Taiwan Walker, I know he got hurt today. We'll see what happens there. He went 0-7, or 0-8 with a 7 ERA in the second half. Not great. <laughs> last year, Carlos Carrasco, 6 ERA last year. He's getting up there in age. Can't imagine, you know, the kind of bounce back to where we saw the Cleveland Guardians, I guess, now. Carlos Carrasco, I think you have to be concerned with some of this rotation. We talked about Chris Bassett. I think at the time, people felt that was maybe, you know, an additional move, like an over-the-top move, but no. He is must-need now for this rotation, so that's where I kind of want to take it. Scherzer, it looks like he'll be able to make that second start. Obviously, you wish opening day in D.C. That would have been an awesome storyline, whatever. I think you're fine with the Mets one day when it was kind of that doomsday where it's DeGrom and then Scherzer on top of it. You're like, all right, it's over. So good news on that front that he seems to be okay. But this rotation now, I will, you know, I, like Tyler McGill, he's going to have to step up big time. They're going to need these guys that struggled last year to really step up because you can have that one, two, but if you don't score for your ace of the staff, which it didn't do last year, and then at the back end, you don't have the depth, it's going to come back to you. So I want to spin it to that, Mike, because mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit yeah. about this rotation. Now without Jacob DeGrom, even with him, you know, coming back when he eventually does, if that happens, knock on wood, where do you see this rotation, especially in the back end for the New York Mets? All right, so look, I'll say this about Scherzer. When I say insurance policy, you know, he is obviously, like you said, he's more than that. I kind of said that earlier. He's, he's you know, we say DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. You know, Scherzer's right there. I mean, I don't care how old he is. He, you know, like I said, great year with the Dodgers, the first half of the Nationals. There's a reason why he got traded and so much, so much came back in return. Um, my whole point is, last year when DeGrom went down, 
you didn't have not only did you not have an insurance policy, but you know, it's so hard to get an insurance policy for a guy who's the best pitcher in baseball. If there's one guy who can possibly replace Jacob Degrom, it's Max Scherzer. He's like the only guy of a, maybe a few pitchers you want to name. I really think it's only him that can even compare in terms of quality, you know, starts and that kind of stuff, and making just being the dominant performer that Degrom is. Scherzer's like really the only guy out there who I think can match him. And the simple fact is the Mets brought him in. That's why it's such a great one-two punch, and that's why I think even though Degrom is out, the fact that Scherzer's there. I think we should be okay. Now, looking at the rest of the rotation, I'll say this. Chris Bassett, look, he was top 10 ERA last year, an all-star. I'm, th- I'm thrilled they brought him in. He's he's not the, the hard flamethrower that DeGrom or, you know, even Scherzer. Well, Scherzer's not so much anymore, but presents brings a different style to the plate, you know, uh, pun intended. Um, but he has yet to pitch a regular season game in New York, played in Oakland. That's not the biggest we've market seen, in the world. We've seen the Oakland-New York transition before. It hasn't yeah, so, yeah, Sonny Gray, what, what will you know, all that kind of stuff. So, We'll see what happens there. I'm I have high expectations for him. As far as Walker and McGill, you mentioned those guys. McGill, it seems like you know the, so far right now the the names in conversation for opening day with Degrom out are Tyler McGill, uh, David Peterson, or Trevor Williams, who the Mets traded for in the Javi Baez trade last year, actually. So to me. It looks like it's going to be Tyler. I think he's the best of the three. David Peterson, God no, he's he's just, he's, <laughs> he's Stephen Matz two We don't need him out there. So. You mentioned Tyler, and then you mentioned Taiwan Walker and how they kind of had rough second halves. To me, that's a product of their histories, if you will. Tyler McGill, a rookie, he was coming up from double A. Obviously, he's never pitched that much in a year. I think he just got tired. And same thing with Taiwan Walker. He wasn't a rookie, but he's still a relatively young pitcher. And to that point in his career, whether it was with Seattle or with uh, the Blue Jays, Always dealing with injuries, never pitched a full season. Yeah, just to cut you off, I believe yeah, no he problem. hadn't thrown 130 yeah. innings in like five exactly. years. Exactly. So for both of them, I wouldn't be so much concerned about the stuff. To me, it's like they just had, they weren't used to it. Hopefully this year now they're, they're more stretched out. Also, keep in mind, they're, you know, with Tywin Walker, he was coming off the 2020 COVID season, which all pitchers had to come off that 60 game season. So I wouldn't be as concerned. The guy that I'm most concerned about in the rotation is Carlos Carrasco. You know, he was injured a lot of last year, came back late. You know, he'd do, he would do starting, he would pitch one inning to start, and then do a bullpen game, or he'd pitch a few innings. I think by the end of the season, he was going like five. Just, I don't know. I was never impressed. He was always good with the Indians or the Guardians, whatever whatever you want to call them. In the spring so far, again, I, I, I haven't been able to really watch any of his starts, but you look at the stat lines. I mean, you're seeing some home runs, high ERA for spring training games. To me, it seems his biggest issue is the home run ball. He can strike guys out. He's still got some decent stuff, but when he leaves it over the plate, he's not old enough. I mean, he's, too, he's not young enough, not strong enough to, you know, strike out guys the way he used to. So I, I don't really know. He's the biggest concern. That's why, I don't know. I, would I consider maybe getting another arm in here? I'm not really sure, but right now I'm not panicking too much about the rotation. I mean, yeah, they could definitely make moves at the trade deadline and kind of balance this rotation out a little bit, but... I mean, right now, I think there's more concerns than just Carlos Carrasco. I think you have to be concerned about McGill because he hasn't really proven a ton. He's kind of been a serviceable back-end starter. But... I mean, I'll say this about Tyler. Uh, up until the All-Star, I mean, until the All-Star, I mean, if there was a point in the season last stretch, year yeah. where his ERA was hovering around three. Uh, and so for a guy to come in like that, I mean, if I'm, I don't, and I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but he was like one of the first Mets rookies to like start, like, uh, you know, pitch a certain number of consecutive scoreless innings, something like that. So he did show some flashes. I, if, you, if you're watching him day in, day out, like I was, and I wouldn't expect anyone who's not really a Mets fan to be following Tyler McGill that closely, but I, I would say he did show a little bit. Well, yeah, and listen, and he can be productive, but, you know, I don't really see him as anything more as like a, a back half of the rotation. You never guy. wanted him starting opening day. No, exactly. <laughs> now that's kind of on the table. So it's a little, it's a little worrisome with this rotation. And it's great, you know. Scherzer, at the t- at the t- its top half is great. Scherzer and Bassett, that's a great one-two. But 
I mean, Carrasco, I don't think Carrasco is going to go back to Cleveland form. I mean, just seeing what he did last year, and now you mentioned the spring training worries that he's had with the home run ball, that's concerning. And then Taiwan Walker, I, I don't really see him bouncing back at all. I mean, he was he, an all star last year. He was an all star, but then what happened after the all star? Well, break? to me, my hope, I think Ryan and I mentioned it, it's because of the fatigue. So that's why, to me, the talent is there. I, to me, when it comes to McGill and Walker, and more so Walker because he's proven it more. The talent's there. My concern isn't can these guys get people out. It's can they just you know keep up the, the keep up the, the prevent the dead arm, stay with it, you know, be able to go out there every fifth day, throw you know eighty ninety pitches. That's really more my concern. Talent at this as far as this rotation is concerned is not my concern. My concern more is what am I getting out of these guys in terms of longevity? Right, and you even mentioned Taiwan Walker. He's dealing with an injury right now, and we don't really know you know what his situation is for the first you know couple of starts of the season. Maybe I don't know if that turns into something. So. Overall, there's a lot of uncertainty with the three, four, and five guys in this rotation, and I think there's very good reason to be concerned. And just to kind of keep on this concern with the Mets, or lack thereof, I'll I'll test the temperature here. You brought up something, Mike, earlier, the Lindor comment about Mm -hmm. DeGrom, and I, you know, that was 100% true, where year in, year out, he's winning Cy Young's going 10 and 9. They don't score for him. And last year, it was outside of its starts. They get the bats going a little bit. Then DeGrom goes eight, gives up one run. They lose the game in the 10th inning on a walk-off. So I think now you could shift. we could shift to the rotation here. I mean, the lineup, excuse me, yeah. on this Mets talk because it's obviously been revamped a ton. They addressed how they had some, you know, black holes in the lineup. They bring in Sarno Marte, one of the biggest, you know, outfielder signings of the offseason. Mark Canna, who's an analytics darling. Eduardo Escobar, professional hitter. You have Robbie Cano coming back. You know, you have all these pieces. Robbie Cano, obviously, a question mark in his own sense. But you have all these pieces. And now with the rotation, especially the back end being a little concerned, you need this lineup to step up. And it's, you know, historically it's been the Mets rotation that's kind of got them places and the lineup that's been holding them back. But I think the way they went out this offseason, and obviously you have Scherzer and Bassett, they don't want that to be the case anymore. Now where you have these question marks, legitimate question marks, in the rotation, the lineup's going to have to step up. And the question is, can they do it this year? Yeah, so look, I would say, before we even get into the guys that are actually on the roster who are going to be in the everyday lineup, I think a big part of the Mets' struggles the last couple of years is Luis Rojas. I think Rojas did not have any control of that locker room. And obviously, when you have guys, I mean, who we all remember the infamous raccoon situation, McNeil and Dorff fighting in the, in the tunnel of the dugout. Again, when you when you're not when you don't have that locker room chemistry and guys aren't getting along, that translates to the field. Now, am I going to say that's the main reason why the Mets have underperformed offensively the last couple of years? I don't know. That being said, I think Buck Walter being there is just going to make a huge difference in that clubhouse atmosphere. I think players have already attested to that. Seth Lugo, not a everyday position player or reliever, but he's already said it feels like a different team, a different organization. He even saw a tweet that you know Max Scherzer, the Mets had an off day. He rented out a private mini golf course or something, and they all played mini golf and watched the Final Four. So it seemed like the team chemistry is there. My hope is that will translate to better play on the field, especially offensively. Now, in terms of what to expect of individual players, I will say the Mets across the board. Mets across the board. I said besides Alonso, we had a pretty decent year last year. Down overall. I mean, you know, J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil, not very good. Dom Smith, not very good. Um, you know, Francisco Lindor disappointed in his first year in New York. That being said. Very solid spring so far for most of those guys. Lindor's been tearing the cover off the ball. Several home runs already in spring training. Uh, Alonzo's look pretty decent. I will say Dom Smith, who's obviously been involved in some trade talk recently. We can get to that. Yep. I'm, uh, I'd say I'm, I'm glad that he stayed. I, I wasn't a huge hater of that potential deal, but you know he he's had a very solid spring. He's versatile. He's looked great. Jeff McNeil's looked uh, improved again, back to his old self. And you know what? We mentioned Robbie Cano. 
Robbie Cano, to me, I honestly forgot he was on this team last year. You know, obviously he's coming back after the suspension. Don't really know what to expect from him. That being said, he's looked solid in spring training. He was 4-4 four four the other day. Um, you know, I, I don't really know where you're going to get out of him every day. I think having the DH now in the National League is going to be a bailout a big, for that contract. It's going to be a big help there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know what? Look, I think this Mets lineup on paper, is it as good as the Phillies per se? I don't think so. Uh, but... I, I think you got to expect that this is going to be a competitive lineup. And in terms of the guys they brought in, I mean, Mark Canna, like you said, analytics darling, he's like kind of, to me, he's a, a discount Joey Gallo, a guy who will walk, he'll hit some home runs, maybe he'll strike out, but he'll get on base a lot, which is important. And then, you know what? Starling Marte. That, to me, that was the first big signing the Mets made in the offseason uh, before the lockout around Thanksgiving time. And you know what? He, for the first time since Jose Reyes, I would say, you finally have a guy, even at Marte's older age, he's not very young anymore, can still swipe a base. He's stolen several in spring training already. And you know what? He's going to be in right field, which I think should help keep his legs a little bit fresher. You know, he's still got a very solid arm. I think he could still play center if they needed him to. Buck says that all the outfielders will play every position as needed, but he'll be in right field the majority of the time, which I think should help him. And I think having a guy that is technically a center fielder in right field, I can't hurt. So I'm expecting a lot from the offensive lineup. I mean, the offensive lineup from the starting lineup. And, um, you know, again, it happens every year with the Mets. That you have a lot of optimism going into the year. They win an opening day, as they always do. They have one of the greatest so opening day records in all death sports. Taxes, Mets opening and day. then they are, you know, out of it by June. But <laughs> I, uh, at, this is the point of the Mets season when I'm always optimistic. So I'm feeling pretty good so far about the, the roster. I like what the Mets have done with the lineup. You know, they made great additions. You know, you mentioned the Starling Marte stuff. I think the addition of Eduardo Escobar is really good, even though he might not. He'll, he's probably due for some regression this year and might not exactly be what he was last year, but I think he can still be a more than capable bat in the middle of that lineup or towards the back of it. And then Mark Canna, you know, good addition as well. So the Mets, they've they've gotten themselves to a point where I believe there's there's no glaring weakness in this lineup. Like there's no nobody you can really look at and be like, okay, that's a hole. I mean, maybe maybe Robbie Cano at the DH spot, but I mean he can make he can probably do something. I wouldn't bet on it, but he does have that ceiling and he has the reputation. But so I think the Mets lineup it's good. I, I wouldn't say it's great though. I think you know you're you're relying on Lindor to bounce back quite a bit. If you could get anything Lindor close to what he was in Cleveland, you you have a great top of the lineup on your hands. But I don't know how he's going to bounce back from the the poor season he had last year. You know, maybe he can hover around 250. I think I think that's kind of where I see him at. And then obviously you know Alonzo stud, absolute beast. He'll hit about 40 home runs. So I think I think it's a good lineup, but. Um, the question is, if the pitching kind of goes a little awry, is it going to bail them out enough? And I, I don't know about that. I feel like it's good, but not great. And there are a couple guys that can be a little on and off. Like, Mark Canna is not really going to scare somebody at the plate. I mean, James McCann's kind of underwhelming. And then, you know, you don't know what you're getting out of Lindor either. So I think it's fine. But also... You could argue it's the third best lineup in that division with the Phillies kind of being the top heavy dogs. And then, you know, the Braves, that lineup's no joke either. So I think the Mets lineup, they've made some solid additions, but I still think there's some work to be done if you want to call it an elite lineup that can really carry you to wins. You talk about work to be done, and the Mets clearly identified that because the last thing we'll talk about here in the Mets is the trade or lack thereof that's kind of fallen through. The last few days, they did identify they need some help, and maybe it was more on the pitching side, but... The you know proposed alleged trade was Dom Smith for Eric Hosmer. The remaining four years on that you know hefty contract. You know the Padres were willing to eat a lot, and Chris Paddock, who that rookie year showed a ton of flashes, 
Last two years hasn't put it together. We were talking before the show, Mike. You are like, he's a guy that will eat innings. He's a MLB starter. That's what you'd say about him. But I think what that shows you is that Billy Epler, Steve Cohen, they understand that this team as currently constructed, it's not at 100%. And it when could you, be better. Yeah, and you, t- you talked earlier about the deadline. I don't think you ever want to go into a year, and we'll get on the Yankees, and I think they're kind of going in with some of this mindset where it's like, oh, we'll just add at the deadline. I never am a fan of that. I think you have to, you know, address everything head on. But this trade falling through, I, I saw Mets fans go back and forth. Obviously, Eric Hosmer, the World Series villain, you know, a while. The World back. Series villain is Lucas Duda. Let's let's be honest <laughs> and familiar. So, um, just wondering with that trade falling through, do the Mets need to make another move, or was that kind of just an opportunity to strike and they didn't capitalize? I mean, I'll comment on the, this particular trade. I was not someone who was adamantly for or against it. Look, I like Dom. I think, he, like I said, he's had a great spring. He had a down year last year, but he was great in 2020. So, look, I like to keep him around. You know, I I I would like to see him be a part of this team. That being said, what you were getting back for one individual player and Dom Smith, the guy who, even though I love Dom and I think he could be a contributor, he's going to be on your bench. He's going to be a DH. He's not going to play every day. And you know what? They're going to get back Eric Hosmer, who, if they had to pay all that contract, I definitely wouldn't have been for it. But the Padres are eating a sizable portion of that. Hosmer, he's older, I get it, but at this point in his career, he could be a solid bench player. You're getting Chris Paddock, who obviously has not been the same since his rookie year when he was, you know, one of the better pitchers in baseball that first season in the league. Still, he can eat up innings. He's a hard thrower. Not not a bad pitcher to have. And then I don't remember the exact uh, reliever that was included, but the, the Padres were going to throw in a reliever as well. So you were getting three assets for Dom Smith, who, again, I love Dom, but that, that to me is a pretty big return for a Mets team that, frankly, still has some holes. And I think the biggest hole, we've mentioned you know, concerns about the rotation and the lineup, is the bullpen. To me, you lost Aaron Loop, who was by far their best reliever last year. You're once again relying on Edwin Diaz. I don't know. You bring in Adam Adovino, but he's always, you know, he'll be fine for a while, and then he blows up in the yep. end. I don't trust him at all. I, I don't trust this Mets bullpen at all. I mean, they're, they're relying on a guy. I mean, they, they brought in Jason Shreve, who had been with the Mets before, with Pittsburgh last year. He's like, uh, he's a lefty, which is great, but you know what? He was brought in on a minor league contract, and it's great that he's had a, a solid spring, but are we really expecting a lot of him? I, I, don't, I don't really know what to expect out of this bullpen, so that is a concern of mine. Uh, so that's why I said, I don't know, this trade, I wouldn't have been that much against it. I will say this. You guys have kind of touched on it. I love the mindset. This Mets team, like like you said, so long have the Mets been one of those teams where they waited until the deadline. That was the Wilpon mentality because obviously they never wanted to spend any money. It was always, it was always you know, have a mediocre offseason, and if the team's in it by the All-Star break, then we'll make a move. And that's what happened in 2015. The Mets were basically a 500 team, and you know because the division was relatively weak that year, they went out, they got Cespedes, they went on the run, boom, the rest is history as we know. But, you know, for so long, that was the Mets' strategy, and that's why for so long they never made any big moves. I love that now, before the season has even started, Steve Cohen and Billy Epler, they realize, hey, we got to make splash moves. They're, they're being the aggressive team in this town. They're doing things that the Yankees used to do. And, you know, I, I love to see that kind of mentality because it's what I've wanted to see in my team for so long. So I'm not upset the trade didn't go through. I wouldn't have been upset if it did so much. I will say the one biggest thing for me, though, is I love the aggressive mentality because it's something that the Mets have been missing for such a long time. It's a high, It was a high-ceiling move for sure, and, you know, it could have worked out well. And, you know, definitely a lot better that the Mets aren't eating that whole contract of Eric Hosmer because that's probably one of the worst contracts in the league. But, I mean— Ultimately, it was probably going to get the, make them marginally better, so I don't really know about that. But yeah, you mentioned the bullpen. That's not We haven't even touched that yet. The bullpen's very iffy. I mean, that addition of Adam Adovino, he's, I, listen, I've seen him as a Yankee. I saw him in that I 2020 season. I don't want to see it again. Yep, so. exactly. And you, know, you saw him 
in late in the season against the Red Sox, against the Yankees with the Red Sox last year, and then you know in the ALCS he wasn't great either. So there's still work to be done, especially in that bullpen because that's a thin unit, and we know Edwin Diaz's track record as well. So I I like how the Mets look coming into this season. It's better than they've looked in a number of years, but the question is. Will it be enough to compete with the top teams in the National League and especially the ones in your own division? Yeah, we we touched on the Mets' bullpen and going into the week, their only reliever, lefty, was Jason Shreve. Well, that's changed, and that's thanks to the New York Yankees because they made a rare crosstown trade the Mets and Yankees did. Joely Rodriguez, the lefty from the Yankees, part of the Joey Gallo deal, goes to the Mets. The Yankees get Miguel Castro. Right-handed reliever probably had more success, and it was more, I think, from the Mets' perspective, they simply needed to get lefties. So the Yankees capitalized on a guy who was top 20 in ground ball percentage. That's something they've attacked with Matt Blake at the helm in the pitching department. He looked very good today, so we'll see what happens there. But the shift over to the Yankees, opening day, you know, roster is kind of shaping up. They made another trade since last time I noticed, please, Jose Trevino, basically a defensive first catcher from the Rangers. 97 percentile on frame rate, so that's a, a great asset to have there, especially coming off Gary Sanchez. Yankees have kind of switched up what they've looked in that catcher position. It's a team where I know Mike's taken some, not necessarily shots, but some you know comments on what he thinks they've done this offseason. But as we head towards the season, you look at the American League, the Rays are getting worse. They're trading middle-of-the-order bats who've had 100 RBI seasons. The Red Sox, Chris Sales on the 60-day IL. I think we'll touch on that a little bit, that opening day series. That rotation doesn't really impress me. Then you have the Blue Jays, who just simply, they have stacked roster. Scary. The the um, bullpen isn't very strong, and they haven't been there before. So you can make the case that the Yankees can be legit players in this division as they've been in the years past. Brian, I want to go to you. Obviously, the other Yankees fan, we got two of us here kind of going at Mike. We'll see <laughs> if that's where this turns here, but... You look at the Yankees going into this opening day series with the Red Sox. Scale of 1 to 10, what are you feeling right now as we head into the season? I'm feeling around probably an 8, I would say. You know, it's not a home run like slam dunk because the offseason, they could have made a lot of more major moves, and I think we can all accept that. But, I mean, man, I'm so sick of hearing everybody just kind of sleep on this team because I think it's a very good team. And I'm just tired of hearing, oh, well, they can't complete with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are too good. The Blue Jays are really good, and so is like every other team in this division. But the Yankees—I mean, to say the Yankees can't compete with those teams is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, let me like the Yankees ended the Blue Jays' season last. Exactly, year. people seem to forget that this is a team that hasn't been there before. The bullpen is not good whatsoever. It blew big games down the stretch. They didn't do enough to address that. Just to cut you off, I, I think the Blue Jays. You look on paper, that roster is scary. You look also, they have that home field advantage where unvaccinated players can't play there. That's essentially two to three injuries every team's going to be dealing with in retrospect. So there's a lot to like there, but I am not ready, and I think you're on Patriot, to just crown the Blue Jays the champs of this division. Exactly. On paper, they are the favorites, and I can credit a lot of that to, you know, the run they went on at the end of last year because they were one of the hottest teams in the league at the end of last season. After the trade deadline, I think they won about 40 games, so... They were red hot, and that lineup's scary, but the Yankees, I mean, they they didn't make the splash of, like, Freddie Freeman or a Trevor Story or a Carlos Correa in the offseason, but this lineup still, I feel it's really complete from top to bottom because I think people forget that 
People forget how much better they were after the Gallo and Rizzo trades happened at the deadline last year. I believe they were 39-22 and 22 at the end of the All-Star break, and that was right up there with the Blue Jays and the Rays in terms of the division and the whole American League, for that matter. They were one of the best teams in the whole league. So I think that can carry over into this year. You know, you have the lefties. They addressed the issues with the right-handed heaviness. They got Gallo, they got Rizzo, and ultimately there's no, there's no real weakness other than at catcher, but, I mean— Hickey does lead the league in home runs in spring training, so I'll just throw that out there, and you can take what you will with that information. But it's a it's a really it's a good lineup. If it, if everyone's producing, it should. And I think the Yankees they they could be right in there with the AL East. But I mean, it's not easy because as we mentioned, there are four teams in this division that I think either the Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, or Blue Jays could easily take this division, and I think it's going to be a dogfight and no easy tack for the Yankees the whole year. But I'm looking forward to see what they can do because they did make some moves, and I'm looking to see how they pan out. Yeah, I mean, look, this is what I would say about the Yankees. I mean, they're not a bad team. They're a good team. They're a solid team. They made the playoffs last year, a wildcard team, and, you know, that's very respectable. They're the Yankees that make the playoffs every year, uh, despite the fact that their GM goes out there and says atrocities were committed against them, even though that letter will be released sometime this week, and it'll turn out they committed you're, those you're same not, You're not finding anything. Those same letter. atrocities, whatever. Uh, we, we, can get into that in the next, we can get into that in the next edition of the show. Anyway, point is this. Uh, Yankees, look, I'm sorry. They were, a very, they were a solid team last year. They were a good team. And, but, look, simple fact is, they were probably the third best. They were the third best team in their division, and they kind of got exposed in that wild card game. Garrett Cole was not the same guy after the sticky stuff ban, and I don't really think this team has drastically improved over the offseason. They didn't make that big classic Yankees splash signing. No Freddie Freeman. No Carlos Correa. So I mean, look, Josh Donaldson, nice piece. He's not the guy who was the MVP with the Blue Jays all those years ago. He's not even the guy that was you know comeback player of the year or whatever with the, with the Braves. Uh, just he's not the same. And I don't know. I mean, you, you, the catching position, I agree. I mean, I think Higgy is fine, but I, I don't necessarily look at him and see Mike Piazza or, you know, Johnny Bench. He's, he's a decent player. I have questions about the rotation outside of Garrett Cole. I don't know. I, and I have questions about Aaron Boone as a manager. You know, DJ LeMahieu, you know, again, once again, where does he really fit in this lineup? I mean, Anthony Rizzo, he's your first baseman. Torres will be at second. You bring in Isaiah from the Rangers. He'll be your shortstop. And obviously now Donaldson, your third baseman. So where is DJ playing every day? I don't know. DH maybe a little bit, but then you got to think about Stanton and his need to not run around the field all that much. My whole thing is, again, I think the Yankees are a good team. I just don't think they've approved enough to really be the best team in the American League East or one of the best teams in the American League. To me, it's the Blue Jays on paper are probably the best team in the division right now. The Red Sox, I also have questions about their rotation, especially with Chris Sale being out. But, I mean, look, any team that has Xander Bogarts, I think Trevor Story is a guy, much like Nolan Arenado, who should be okay outside of Coors Field. Obviously, you know, they still have JD, guys like J.D. Martinez and Kiki Hernandez and all that kind of stuff. So, I think the Red Sox, obviously, look, they were a playoff team last year, too. They can be contenders. And look, the Rays, I get they're getting rid of pieces, but they're the Rays. They, they always get rid of guys, They'll and, they, find a and way. they always find a way. So, I don't know. My question is, you know, the Yankees, I didn't really see a lot of improvement from them this offseason, and they were really, to me, I get what the record said, but to me, they were kind of a... Like, you look at the record, and they're a good team, but you, on, it, with the eye test, they weren't telling you they were one of the better Here, teams. Yeah. So. And, and here's where I'll push back a little bit. You saying they not improved... Go back a year ago. Jay Bruce was in the opening day lineup. So was Clint <laughs> for like five. Se- he was on the team for like a week. But and oh, you go to the end of the year. Andrew Velasquez, no disrespect, was starting in the Walker game alongside Tyler Wade. You will not have those empty bats in this lineup this year. That's where things are completely different. Josh Donaldson would have been third on the team in weighted runs created plus last year. He's still a bat, 
that you can put in the middle of the lineup. Anthony Rizzo in that second half pre-COVID, he was raking. And Kyle Higashioka, he's a guy, you said he's not Mike Piotta. He's been Barry Bonds in spring training. Greatest power <laughs> yeah, in MLB in history. Spring training. Come on, most so, of these guys are going to be in single. But like, he's on. a guy, you look at what he's been doing, and it, you have this whole team's been raking in spring training. By the way, the rotation is projected first in fan graphs. Matt Blake has done a phenomenal job of just taking guys who are getting DFA'd left and right and turning them to legitimate pieces like Nestor Cortez. Tyone last year, player of the month in June, had a three ERA in the second half. So there's a lot to like about this team, I think, just because they didn't make the traditional Yankees move. You could look at it with a negative perspective, but there's a ton of positives here. I think there's no question when you look at how weak the lineup was truly at the end of the year, they improved this offseason. It's not, it's made by, it's frustrating because there was no Carlos Correa, but I still, as I've been kind of, you know, I've wavered a little bit. I've thought about it. I've watched them in spring training, and we can make fun of how much that matters. But this team did get better in the offseason. Maybe thank not you. as much as everyone may have thought, but they did get better this offseason. Thank, thank you for saying it. Someone someone has to finally say it. I mean, yeah, you can miss out on Carlos Correa. First of all, with the Correa stuff, if you're if you're giving um if you're giving him a ten year deal, and you have Volpe and Peraza in your in your system, that, that doesn't make sense. So. Ultimately, I don't I don't have any issue with them not getting a shortstop, and I don't I'm not really Carlos Correa's biggest supporter, so we can kind of leave him out of this. And yeah, as we mentioned, there's no real weakness in their lineup. The rotation, I don't think there's really a glaring weakness in there. The only real question mark to me is uh, what's Severino going to be? Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to stick around? Because he hasn't started a game since 2019. He came back last year and looked sharp, but. It's interesting to see how he's going to be. Is he going to have that longevity, and can he give you innings? And that's the important thing. And then it's interesting to see if Nestor is going to replicate last season because he was really good at times last year. So two nine ERA. Oh yeah, he was a beast. He's, they call they call him Nasty Nestor for a reason. <laughs> Let's just kind of say that. And then Montgomery and Tyone, those are not bad options at the back of the rotation. Those are really solid options that can really, you know, give you good starts. Maybe not every single night they'll have the bad start here and there, but, you know, they can be consistent and keep you in game. So I think there's a lot of good that a lot of people are not talking about enough with this team. And once again, the the Blue Jays, they were hot last year, and the big concern is that they're going to carry that over into this year. But if you look at what they did in the offseason, did they really get, like, that much better? They got Matt Chapman, who's they better got Matt Chapman, than anyone but, else uh, on the, the Yankees got. But oh, listen, I mean, but listen, Matt Chapman. Uh, I think so. Matt Chapman's a drop off of Marcus Semien. He's not doing what Marcus Semien did with the bat last year. Obviously, better defensively, given that he's also the Blue Jays have Greg Bird now. So no, no the Yankees have Greg Bird now. Oh, the, wait, what? They yeah, didn't make the roster. Oh, that happened today. Oh, look yeah. at that. Well, good for you guys. Greg Bird's back. One of the greatest first basemen in Yankee history. Yeah, he he won't be on the roster. He'll be in AAA. He'll be in Scranton. All right. Anyway, now look to me. I, I get it. Yeah, the Yankees. It's to me what the Yankees did this offseason is like. Look, I, I, you drive a nice Chevy pickup truck. It's a solid car. It gets you where you need to go. You put four new tires on it. Like, yeah, is that a better car? Sure, but it's not like you're suddenly driving a Ferrari. To me, the Yankees they made some nice moves. They're a solid team. I'm not going to count them out of the playoff picture. They'll be in the playoff picture. They'll probably be in the playoffs. A wild card team. To me, I just don't look at this team. And to me, I, when it, when I think of the Yankees, I think of the great Yankee teams of the past. I'm always threatened by the lineup. I look at that lineup up and down, and I say, oh, I'm afraid of this guy. I'm afraid of that guy. 
I'm not scared of anyone in the Yankee lineup. I mean, really? St- uh, no, I'm not, not. Judge. No, not Stanton. Not when Judge isn't vaccinated and we'll be playing in Toronto half the season. It's nine games. Anyway, uh, I just I'm not. I mean, Stanton. Yeah, he's probably the guy that scares me the most. But also, Stanton's a guy who, frankly, disappointed for the first few years here in New York up until last season. I'm sorry, DJ had a down year last year, and a lot of these guys. I mean, we don't know how Josh Donaldson's going to do over here in uh, in New York. We don't know how Kinner Falafa or however you say his name is going to do over here in New York. I just Rizzo. I get he was good, but then he had COVID, and then he went downhill. And Torres was had a disappointing year last year. I don't know. To me, the Yankees, uh, in a sense, a little bit of uh, reminded me a little bit of the Mets in that you had a lot of guys who had down years last year. Maybe that was all of a product of having that sixty-game season, and then you're coming back. I don't really know. I just don't look at this Yankee roster, and I'm just like, I'm not. I don't know. Just like yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just. It's good. It's a good team. You guys will probably be a wild card team. Uh, you'll be in contention for the division, of course. But I'm not. I'm just not intimidated by anyone in this lineup. Or, uh, but to me, outside of the lineup, what bothers me more is the rotation. You mentioned Jamison Tyone and uh, you know Luis Severino and um, you know guys like that. First of all, how about we focus on Garrett Cole, someone who, frankly, has not lived up to the contract that he's been paid. And after last year's whole, he, stick, uh, I mean, he has he, been he's been uh, top two in Cy Young both years. Uh, okay, that's fine. But to me, you, you the guy, the money you're paying that guy. I'm sorry, it's, especially last season after the whole sticky substance thing, the wild card performance. There was a point last season, I think you need to agree, when Garrett Cole would go out there and you were not sure whether or not you were going to get the dominant Garrett Cole. For a three-game stretch, yes. Okay, so I don't know. To me, I have yet to see the guy. I mean, I'll be honest, he's the third best pitcher in New York. Let's let's call it like it is. So I don't know. The Yankees, look, they're a good team. I'm not going to hate on the Yankees. They're a good team. I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't see this amazing World Series contender. I'm sorry. Yeah, you you said a lot there, and <laughs> a, a lot could really be care. argued. Not being afraid of Aaron Judge in the lineup is insane. Not, that's ridiculous. Not being afraid of Giancarlo Stanton when he just destroyed the Mets. I said he's the, I said he's the one guy. By the way, why is it only about year. the Mets? I'm talking about in general. No, I'm saying if there's one guy who should be afraid of Stanton, it's you. But uh, yeah, but the whatever. rotation is is where I want to go because you see it as a down. You know, I do. As a, this is what's going to be the strength of this team. <laughs> Just as it was Jonathan last year. Is as it, well, Jonathan Lewis was really good. Yeah, by he, the way. he was a top five reliever last year in baseball. Okay. Um, but this this rotation, you don't even have to go to the bullpen. Garrett Cole, he had the few bad games, and then he has the hamstring. wasn't the same wild card, inexcusable performance, sure. But Jordan Montgomery, sub four fit. Jameson Tyone, as I talked about, three ERA from June on. Nestor Cortez, a guy who's the fifth start in this rotation, two nine ERA. So this is a rotation with Matt Blake. What he's been able to do with guys' spin rate, you look at just like a Clay Holmes, a guy from Pittsburgh, you bring him over, he's lights out, second half, one ERA. They're able to just find guys. So the rotation last year, when the lineup was like 10th-ish in you know baseball, it's what's going to carry the team, and it's what, at the end of the day, I think the success will be on, and there's nothing about it that makes the confidence waver from my perspective. Right, and yeah, you mentioned Matt Blake. Matt Blake really knows how to turn guys around, and you know, you mentioned Nestor, but even like Wandy Peralta, you know, he was kind of a very average reliever, you know, in San Francisco, and then he comes to the Yankees, and he's a guy that you depend on to get big outs, so I think this bullpen is one of the best in the league. I think it's really up there. Now, you're going to have questions with Aroldis Chapman and what he can do because he hasn't always been the most sure thing you know he has the month period where he struggles and it kind of extended a little longer than I would have liked to last year but yeah there's not there's not a bad option in that in that bullpen you mean Chapman's good for the most part you know Chad Green uh Loisaga um you know I'm kind of running others Miguel Castro's a solid addition and then you mentioned a bunch of other guys Wandy Peralta Clay Holmes I love 
there's a lot to like in this bullpen and in the rotation, too. I just think a lot of it's going to be can Severino stay healthy because if Severino stays healthy, um, that one-two punch is unbelievable. And I didn't even mention it when I was going over the pitchers because anything you get from him is a plus in my perspective. But if you do, I mean, it just adds another Absolutely, level. exactly. And I, I really want to kind of pump the brakes on the Garrett Cole pushback and all the slander. I mean, he's he's an elite pitcher. And even after the sticky stuff, he had some incredible, incredible performances like the one in Houston and the one in Anaheim. And then the hamstring issue, I believe that's kind of what did him in at, yeah, in, the, sure. in the month of September. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, it's a legitimate... Just like uh, James Harden had, uh, what, ham injury uh, before he got traded? Yeah. We, we, we make up fake injuries all the time in sports. Come on now. I mean, but listen, if we're going to judge Garrett Cole based off of three, maybe four games of a season, can't do that. Come on. He's the guy. He's the ace. He's going to carry that staff, and he's going to be probably right up there in Cy Young again. So I mean, look, I'll say this. We, we could talk about regular season performance. We could talk about overall performance. At the end of the day, the amount of money that you are paying Garrett Cole, you are paying him to be the guy that takes the ball in a wild card game, in a game seven, who you can rely to get that big win, push you over the top. That's what the Yankees have been missing in the prior years, that ace that can you can count on to go seven, eight, nine innings in a playoff game to meet the moment in the big spot. And as much as you want to defend Garrett Cole and say he's been solid in New York, he's been under underrated, if you will. He's been great in has, New York. Has he? Okay, fine. Has he yet to meet the moment in the biggest of spots? Let me tell you, last year he didn't. He didn't do it in, in Fenway Park. I'll tell you that. And that's what you're paying him for. Well, l- let me ask you, um, uh, with the Fenway thing, go outside of that and look at his uh, playoff resume. It's pretty darn good. Playoff resume with the Yankees or overall? You want to tell me about the Astros, that's fine, but that, that's not relevant to New York. He's good in 2020, but you could just discount that year. Sure, he, he was not good in that one-game start, but I think as me and Brian, guys who watch him day in and day out, we're not willing to kind of just call a monster contract a failure based on four bad innings. I mean, let me tell you, just uh, just kind of like I see it. I don't know what to tell you. I, uh, I'm i not the biggest Garrett Cole fan. I think he's overrated. He's he's a very good pitcher. He's one of the better pitchers in baseball. But I'm sorry. People want to throw him up there with the likes of Scherzer, DeGrom. I mean, even a guy like, I don't, I mean, I, you want to name, I'm just, I don't know, I'm having a stroke right now. I can't name a third pitcher. But the point is, I just, I don't know, I don't, I just don't, I don't really get it. I'm sorry, I don't. So we'll see how it goes out, and that's the beauty about baseball. We have now six months, guys, to have these arguments, and from the way today went, I'm not going to lie, I think we'll be having them a lot. Um, yeah, but, You know, we talked so much there that we're not even going to get to our last part, and I think that's kind of the beauty of Mets and Yankees talk because you could really do it day in and day out. So obviously we have opening series coming up Thursday, Yankees-Red Sox. The Mets will face the Nationals. I can't wait, guys. Baseball is back, and the Nosebleeds is back all season long. Happy birthday, Pat. You are listening to the Nosebleeds, a production of WFUV Sports.